Hello and welcome to the Let's Talk Azure podcast with your hosts, Sam Foote and Alan Armstrong. If you're new here, we're a pair of Azure and Office 365 focused IT security professionals. Each episode, we talk around a specific topic in the space. This week, it's episode 15 of season two. We're going to talk around Azure Sphere, Microsoft's solutions to an, solution to an end-to-end secured IoT platform. Hey, Alan, how are you doing? Are you excited for Ignite? Is it tomorrow that you fly out? Hey, Sam, I'm doing okay. Yep, flying out tomorrow. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be fun, I think. What are your Ignite predictions? You know, what's your, um, what, what do you, what do you think we're going to see um, uh, from Ignite? What do you think the focus is going to be on? Um, so not too, sh- yeah. Um, I think I'm, we're going to see a lot of um, stuff come out of multi-cloud. Some of the stuff that sort of being in private preview, things like that, that are now going to come up to GA. Um, yeah. and there's definitely some other stuff that I've seen. I'm sure there'll be a product being rebranded somewhere. Okay. Um, but yeah, there always is, isn't there in, in it's like, that's just, that's just normal, isn't it? Right. You know, that's just, yeah, standard. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Right. So, um, yeah, so this, this week we're, we're going to be talking around, um, Azure Sphere. Um, just to give you a bit of context, I'm 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 going to call my, I'm not even going to call myself an expert. I'm the guy Alan is asking <laughs> questions uh, questions to. Um, I've I I sort of come from a development background, and I I have done work in sort of the IoT space. Um, not really low level like IoT like in, embedded programming or anything like that, but more um, you know systems that interact with other like IoT systems. Um, and I think Alan and I were talking around um, a potential IoT project, and and re- it was, and I think it was you that mentioned Azure Sphere to me around, you know, Microsoft's um, sort of, um, you know, full ecosystem for, you know, secure IoT. Um, and so what I what I did is I went off and I got myself an Azure Sphere development kit. It took ages to arrive. I don't even know where it came <laughs> from in the end. Um, so yeah, so I've been I've been uh, playing around with um, Azure Sphere, and the reason why I did that is because the security model of Azure Sphere is quite unique, I think, and that's why I wanted to talk about it um, t- today. I definitely am not an expert in it, that's for sure. Um, so if there are any Azure Sphere experts listening, I apologize profusely for what I'm about to say. Um, but hopefully, what I can do is I can introduce um, it, it to you at a high level. So that you've got a sort of an understanding of um, where Azure Sphere might be applicable. Um, you know, if you're, it may be in your organization or in your customers' organizations. Um, it, it is in, it is an interesting technology that I think is worth discussing. Yeah. Okay. So trust you to go and get a, a device as soon as I mention it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Straight in there. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, so Sam, what is Azure Sphere? Okay, so I think I think the way that I'm going to approach this is I'm going to talk about sort of more traditional um, IoT IoT devices that you might have, right? Okay. Um, yeah. And 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 tr- traditionally, um, the the management and the security of IoT devices has been a challenge. I think is I think is a good a good way to to explain it because. You've got lots of different vendors with their own ways of approaching IoT, 
and different also different levels of iot technology right you know you've got some really low level like i'll call them dumb iot devices or you might even want to call them ot devices um and then you've got more sophisticated high level devices that maybe actually do have like you know full fledged like um uh, operating systems on them think like a raspberry pi or, or something like that right where uh, effectively you know the, the higher level they are in some respects the 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 larger potential attack surface that they have right so if you're an organization um deploying these uh, devices internally um it, it then shifts to a you know if we if we come at it from a security perspective and that's the sort of arena that Alan and I are focused on it's around you know uh, patching those devices um you know uh, uh, understanding you know uh, what software they do have on them you know what cves they potentially have and also deployment of applications and, and things like that can be a real challenge especially when you know maybe devices are out in the field you know um you know actually deploying new you know versioning new applications on iot devices especially when you've got multiple vendors at play can be can be contact, uh, complex um so enter azure sphere azure sphere is an end-to-end um iot platform from silicon all the way to cloud so so microsoft approached this by actually creating their own micro microcontroller unit um well or i don't know if i don't know if it's in collaboration with somebody else i don't know that part of it uh, but effectively there is a custom microcontroller unit that is um at its at its core every azure sphere enabled device has that that chip um on it at, at its core now what that what that chip is doing is creating a managed environment for you in order to like host and deploy your applications so i think i think a good way to ex explain it is is that you effectively um use these these chips in your devices and then um the the management and the security of those 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 devices are is completely managed by um microsoft well it, it, by azure sphere right so um they they effectively take away a huge amount of that burden um for you you imagine like OS secure uh, OS patching, completely automated. You know, um, uh, from from an Azure Sphere perspective, the operating system itself is completely managed. You know, for you, right? That that might also be a hindrance to some people. You know, they might need more flexibility and more more granularity. There is a lot of flexibility, and I haven't dived too deep because I'm still in my experimentation and, and lab sort of stage, right? Um, but what 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 they're effectively doing is they're 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 attempting to build like a walled ecosystem, you know, from end to end, um, basically uh, around these devices. So, so you talked about it being sort of a chip that you can that's that's on a you know board or or an IoT device. Um, is is this something you can add to an IoT device, or is something that is basically it comes from the manufacturer in effect with it on? Yeah, so it's it's it, 
from it's it's a completely standalone like ecosystem i would say right it's not something that you can retrofit onto yeah. you know onto yeah. a, an existing device um uh, uh, the the i the idea is that like you know let's say you're a you're a device iot device manufacturer right instead in, instead of instead of buying your your soc or your um your your microcontrollers from another vendor you would effectively buy azure sphere you know enabled ones um from microsoft's partners which will give you that end-to-end management um capability and i'll I'll go into how that all sort of functions but yeah it is and that's and that's why originally when i was looking at it i got slightly confused because um when alan was explaining it to me recently he's like um so so one of the things is 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 that um each azure sphere device has its own like identifier think about it like a mac address that can like that's baked into the the machine you know the the device basically can't be changed can't be altered it's part of like the you know uh the root like trust um system um and then you effectively bind it into a um a special type of um tenant called an azure sphere tenant once it's bound to that tenant it's in that tenant as far as i can see (laughs) forever right um so we're really talking around, you know, um, these devices, you know, aren't designed to be, you know, um, aren't designed to be, you know, resold after the fact or whatever. We're, we're talking about maybe, you know, in, um, devices that may be used internally or whether you've got a fleet of IoT devices, maybe you're, maybe you're selling um, some sort of IoT device that, you know, manages something in an environment and you manage it from a central location. This is going to really help you to to do all of that deployment and securing those devices, right? So let's say you're a system integrator, and your temperature sensor or whatever it is that you've got, maybe you've got some AI edge like work that you're doing or, or something like that. Um, you, you can help. This can really help you to to secure and 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 manage those devices end to end. Okay. Cool. Okay, so so what you kind of talked about the security side of things. So you know, what is the security model for Azure Sphere devices? Um, what makes it different? Okay, yeah. So I I have slightly touched on you know the fact that this is a I would say it's um, sort of its own like independent ecosystem, if that makes sense. But I think with that you do get some like great benefits, right? You know, for 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 a level of um you know if you if you lose some flexibility in terms of just being able to like buy iot devices off the shelf like what am i getting back for my you know um for for, for those for those uh, problems that i'm i may be uh, facing so microsoft talks around um the seven properties of highly secure devices they've done a white paper on this and it's really interesting how they've now applied um their their thinking around this um to specifically to iot devices so the first part of that is a hard, hardware-based root of trust, okay? So um, inside of the hardware architecture, there is a, 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 root, a, a root core um, of, of, of trust. Um, and that's basically called the Microsoft Pluton um, security subsystem. So it's in silicon itself where it actually does, um, it's the secure root of trust and it's got the security processing core, cryptographic engines, 
um, you know, a, a secured hardware number generator. You know, it can generate private and public um, keys and, 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 and do all of the security um, uh, hardware uh, trust aspects of it. So Microsoft have designed that straight into their into the you know the the silicon itself the actual chip itself there's no separate like tpm module or anything like that it's all integrated in in one in one place um they also talk about um uh, defense in depth um so what we're talking about is is providing multiple layers of security and how we you know harden that i i i've talked previously around like um your layers of security being like an onion that you sort of, you know, peel back and you, you have to, you know, you, you, you work through. Um, so, um, so to, to Microsoft build those layers in, and we'll talk a little bit around that when we talk about the actual hardware. Um, but there are multiple layers of, uh, of defense, um, in there for you as well. Um, they also talk about a small trusted computing base, and this is effectively, um, talking around, like on the desktop side, we might have, um, you know, a user space where like, you know, normal user mode applications live. Then you've got, say, kernel space or a protected space, however your operating system like uh, handles that. Um, what they're talking around here is that your, 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 um, your trusted computing base, like your kernel space is as small as possible and completely segregated from your user space. Right. So what, what they're effectively doing is putting up they call them they call them like um um io firewalls in between these different levels you know uh, different different applications can only talk to in certain directions and things like that um and complete and completely segregating like you know the operating system and anything that's got you know um privileged um uh, execution um you know any trusted computing um they also talk around dynamic compartments, which I kind of talked about, um, uh, you know, uh, a bit in the last um, the last part, which is around departmentalizing, um, um, de like compartmentalizing different aspects of your uh, hardware, if that makes sense. Uh, I'm going to explain it in hardware architecture, but effectively they they slice up the chip chip into a, a grid of nine. I think it's nine um, areas. And they have um, hardware firewalls in between each one, so only certain um, areas can talk to other certain areas, dependent on their. Um, so they're, they're they're really compartmentalizing the silicon and making sandboxed areas. I kind of liken it to um, uh, an Android, but iOS's security model around sandboxing, and it, this is slightly this is way lower level than that, but it's the same sort of um, idea. Uh, passwordless authentication is another uh, pillar of their. Uh, seven properties so all of this communication is done with um signed certificates you know um you know from that um from that hardware based route of trust that's where they're generating these you know known good and um safe um you know cryptographic um keys and um being able to um you know do um uh um certificate based authentication over tls right so we're talking you know, full as far as we can say, full end-to-end -end encryption right down to the silicon, uh, basically. Um, error reporting. So we need a way to be able to understand what's happening on these machines, because when we're talking about you know emerging security attacks, you know um, rising rates of errors will usually show 
will sh- show anomalous behavior on these devices um, pretty early on. Um, so, so you know, uh, Sphere devices can automatically um, report operational data and errors back to um, cloud-based uh, systems. And then um, renewable security. So this is this is effectively Microsoft talking around um, device software being automatically updated. I will talk about this um, uh, further further in this 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 discussion, but around um, that there is an end to end, you know. Um, an end-to-end like um, operating system um, like patching ability that requires no intervention from the product manufacturer or even the end user. You know, updates will be sent to these devices. Um, you know, um, automatically without any intervention. Um, yeah, which is, which is, which is really powerful. So, so just not to say recapping, but it 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 kind of sounds like. It's you know the device you connect to the internet, you hook up to that that tenant, and the device is secure from start. That's it. You know, there's nothing you have to worry about. It's literally, I'm connected yeah. to the cloud, and it's already patched itself, or it's patching itself, and all I need to do is deploy some applications that will run on it, or, or connect my sensors okay. and things like that. I'll just explain to you. I was going to go through this later, but it's, it's oh, probably okay. worth doing it now. But I, I will explain to you what my onboarding process was like, right? I pulled it out of its box. I um, had to power it somehow. So I got like a, uh, I think it's it's micro USB. So I got a micro USB like um, power adapter. Um, I I plugged it in. I, I powered it. Oh, no, I didn't. Uh, no, I to start off with, I plugged it straight into my uh, PC. Um, and using there's like an add-in for um, there's an add-in for Visual Studio which allows you to manage these devices. I effectively plugged it in. I adopted it using the CLI to um, my well. I didn't have an Azure Sphere tenant at that point, but now I do. Um, and effectively, as soon as it connected to that, as soon as it was like onboarded, it went fine. I need to do an OS update. It, it basically, it told me that it needed to do a security update, an OS update. It did that before I, it just asked me, you know, do do you want me to update now? You know, like, and just patch it immediately, which I did. Because there were a few warnings about making sure you're patched so you're on the latest. Because I think the developer, some of the development kits, the older ones need like, you know, OS patching straight away. And then effectively that was it. It was, it was quite boring, actually. I will actually admit, like it was, it was a boringly good. Um, um, and then at that point, um, I could configure like Wi-Fi and things like that through, um, um, like I, I, I configured it in Visual Studio because I'm not in like a deployment setting or anything like that. I'm just, you know, actually like deving on it. And um, that was effectively it. I was, I was ready then to, to, to build my, to, to, to build my applications. And from what I can see, I've had it plugged in for absolutely ages. It just effectively, when there's a new update from Microsoft, it will just effectively just download it like silently. I also don't see any like hiccups in any of my, um, I haven't seen any hiccups at the moment in any of my data whatsoever. So from what I can tell, it hasn't even rebooted when it's patched. So I don't know how that that, <laughs> that side of things works. So it's yeah. crazy. So, yeah, so it's, it's, it seems really good for an onboarding perspective. Yeah, if you're if you're happy with you know really buying into the Microsoft ecosystem and you're willing to go to the level of buying like specific hardware for it, you know you you are going to get a really like you know white glove experience. And and trust me, it is for somebody that's absolutely never used it before. It was, I would say, trivial like to to, to get it all set up. So yeah, absolutely props to 
to the product team for the onboarding experience. It was it was very nice. <laughs> okay, great. So so take us through the because you kind of talked about it a little bit, but the the hardware architecture then. Okay, right. So um, it would be great if I could show you a diagram on a podcast, but I'm not going to be able to do that. So I'm going to have to describe it to you. Um, I misspoke. It's not six. It's not nine areas. It's actually six areas on on the on the chip. I'll just briefly go through each one. Um, you've got the Microsoft Pluton security subsystem. So I've I've mentioned that previously. It secures the boot process. That's where all your cryptographic um, generation comes from. It's your secure like um, hardware element of trust. So you, you've got that that one part of it. Um, you've got some flash memory on the chip as well. So being able to actually store, um, it's usually greater than you know uh, sixteen megabytes, something like that. Um, then you've got your network connection area. So it has got built-in Wi-Fi, which is really nice to be totally honest with you and there are a bunch of like breakout boards that you can buy i couldn't actually get them at the same time there's like um if you if you've ever used like pies or arduinos there's like hats that you can put on them to add things like uh wan and um like wan and like lan and things like that on top of it i just simply um connected mine to my wi-fi and and away away i sort of went now there's also ram on there I believe by default it's got four megs of RAM, something like that. Not a lot, but this is a like an edge IoT device. And then the processors are interesting. There's there's different types of ARM Cortex processors. Um, ones for um, there's a high level application core, and I'll talk about the difference between high level and real time. Uh, high level applications and real time applications. But effectively, the high-level applications run um, like a, a, a cut-down uh, Linux operating system. So if you can imagine, this might be like um, a higher-level application that's controlling other sub-applications. Because what you have is you have these real-time cores. And effectively, these real-time cores um, allow you to run a, like bare metal code and like real-time operating systems on them. Um, so like communicating with peripherals and, and lower level uh, bits and bobs like that. I didn't get to that point. I just built myself a high level application because that was like the simplest thing to do because I'm not a, I'm not an IOT like hardware programmer, but I really wanted to understand it from the security perspective. Um, so effectively we've got two different types of, of cores there that, um, that have different, um, that have different, um, you know, uh, functions. Now I think what's, the, the biggest thing that is important that if you can imagine these six areas of the chip, you effectively have um, firewalls in between these these chips so that certain areas can only talk to other areas. I'll give you the example of the real-time cores can only communicate to application cores. Application cores are allowed to connect to the internet communicate http like you know uh, pushback data real-time cores have no network communication whatsoever the only thing that they can do is communicate back to the application core so so if you imagine you create your high level application that's sort of your management application of maybe your real-time you know devices and sensors that you've got and then you would um you would you would uh, pass across those firewalls in the correct way to pass data across um, 
And that's also for attack surface reduction. So your real time, like your real time, let's say you were controlling like a, let's say you're controlling some sort of like third party, like machinery or something with these real time cores. Then the only way to talk through to them is through that firewall in the structured way that you've defined. So you're effectively putting up um, a level of like control um, with those. I didn't actually go through that. I didn't actually like go through that process of, of testing that, but that's how I've seen it from like the documentation and the the learning that I've basically done. Okay, great, thanks. Um, okay, so how about you know the software, the apps that you've been talking about? You know, what what can you build on the you know, the Azure Sphere device? Okay, so you do have some options because you know if if you come from like a um, uh, like an Arduino Raspberry Pi world, you're going to feel very at home in in this scenario. And I would say you really do have the benefits of both sides of those. You have your real time cores, which are are very much more like Arduino GPIO pins, you know, interfaces in and out. Um, and then you have like sort of your high level application as well, which can do more advanced things like web requests there's actually like a higher level operating system that runs there there's an sdk that they've got for interacting with all the for those um those different things so you can really build sort of like um multi i would say like multi like um like you know uh let's say your your application is is clustered in the way like you might have different functions you can run those in you know in in different places at the same time and have them communicate back what i did want to call out is microsoft's like um really great um like vertical integration into say things like iot hubs um uh, for instance setting up in an iot hub is again uh, relatively uh, simplistic you effectively download your um your tenant or your your certificates your azure sphere certificates um down via the cli and then you effectively um verify that certificate and create a connection then into um into iot hubs so one thing that's really a challenge with iot devices is around credential management you know like what credentials do you use on an IoT device, and how do you secure those credentials? Right. What we're what we're not even doing here is we're not even needing to, like, even communicate with the devices themselves. All these certificates are generated and handled completely. You know, you effectively run a command line tool to generate, well, to export this certificate for you. You then bring it into Azure Hub, um, and you you effectively. And then you can then add devices in IoT Hub, which will just automatically show. So this is what I did. I effectively exported my certificate, went through a few configuration steps, added my device ID, and then away I was. Um, my device could then communicate. I then you know push my app to my device to actually see how I would actually communicate up with it. And you effectively, there's no credentials that you need to store or anything like that. You just you run you know your application simple as that um now there's you're going to have cost implications of ingesting data into iot hub i get i totally get that and if you do have a lot of data that you're pushing back then that could be costly for you but for an end-to-end -end solution you know and effectively paying microsoft to take that pain away from you 
I haven't seen anything anywhere near as simple as that because because what effectively will happen when you know like you know building certain systems you know like um proof of concepts and dev systems and things like that could be very easy to set up these proof of concepts but when it comes to actually hardening them in production it can become very very complicated very quickly when you realize that you don't want like a, 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 effectively a shared password across all of your iot devices and you know shared credentials being you know um leaked you know because it's not like you can just store everything in key vault and then pull it down onto these iot devices it just doesn't you know you, you don't have like those sorts of protections right so i just wanted to call that out because that's that's that was a really powerful thing that that i saw yeah that's one of the things isn't it that it's it's secure from start as i kind of said before and you say you'd have to worry about it anything you build is code you know not necessarily code related but communication related and you know authentication side of things is secure from start so you don't have to worry about it or remember to add it no, in later. because yeah because you've got that hardware like trust module on board you can effectively you know um communicate via certificates at any time right it's there it's like managed you know, like we would think about like managed credentials or default credentials inside of like Azure app service and things like that. It's like, it's just there. You're, you can, you know, it's not something that you have to actively manage. Um, I did just want to also call out the Azure Sphere security service. And the Azure Sphere security service is effectively the the thing that is that is an, uh, enabling a lot of this like what you you described is this out of the box secure from start like experience right and like we'll call it white glove you know sort of approach um there's three areas of this there's the passwordless authentication and we've we've been a, a lot on this so i won't i won't dwell on this but you know they they really are getting across the point of we do not have shared access credentials that we are sharing out here right it's all certificate based you know so um if you're not at that point you know where you're really you know adopting secure certificate based authentication i mean a lot of people are i'm not saying like you know it's 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 a proper problem but this is going to handle a lot of that for you as well you know certificate management on your behalf again some organizations might not like that because especially when it comes to certificates some people want to be able to bring their own keys and and do all that sort of stuff. So you do have to also, you know, take that into account as well. Um, the Sphere Security Service is also doing the updating. So we've exp we've um, explained the OS um, applications, but what we haven't also touched on yet, and I haven't actually done this with my device, but I've I've I've, I've started to do this is to um, uh, is to actually deploy application updates over the air as well. So it's not just software OS updates. Um, I, I obviously develop with my like SDK box like plugged into my machine. So it's like as fast as possible whilst I'm working with it. But it is also possible to to um, to publish your application uh, like catalog for your devices and push it out to them um, up and update them um, automatically. So no going out into the field to patch devices or anything like that. Um, yeah, that's 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 really powerful. I think one thing that we do have to call out as well, especially when it comes to IoT, you are going to need to have um, an, uh, some sort of network connection back to the Azure Sphere service for all of this to function, right? So, because a lot of IoT devices 
you know, aren't exposed to public internet, right? Or have access to public internet, not exposed onto, but you know what I mean? Like have access to the internet. So um, you will need to think about your firewalling and how, how all of this fits together. Um, and then the last part of the uh, sphere service is, um, is error reporting. So this is understanding, you know, crash reporting for deployed software, um, understanding what's actually going on on these devices. You know, there might be a security element to that, but also it's just operational. Like how how are things, what's the health of my environment uh, and things like that. Um, and I think the um, the other part to this is Azure Sphere is built on top of um, uh, many different other uh, Microsoft technologies like Azure Storage, Cosmos DB, Key Vault, um, and things like that. And all the data that is stored within um, Azure Sphere is is encrypted at rest. Is, is I think a big one for, for organizations nowadays. So from that compliance element, um, I don't know if you can um, do customer managed keys and bring your own key and things like that. I would have to go and look at that because that would be, a, you know, if we were talking to a customer about this, this isn't like a service that we're anywhere near, like we, we would support. It's it's more of a passion project of mine. Um, but that, that I could imagine that's a big conversation you'd have with a, a customer in terms of, you know, can I bring my own key, you know, especially when we're talking about, you know, silicon based, you know, um, uh, authorization mechanisms. Yeah. So, I mean, it just, it's, it sounds like Microsoft have definitely thought about this, haven't they? About the, we keep talking about the end to end. Well, let's hope so, Alan. Oh, I know, I know, but you know, it's not, yeah. it's not like it's, you know, if you think about, you know, some of the, some of the Microsoft products have been on a journey you know, to get to a certain place where it's like matured enough to be good. This kind of feels like it came out and it was, uh, I'm going to say awesome from the, from the start in some sense, um, not, not being in this environment. So it may, you know, from my perspective, it sounds really awesome. Um, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I think they have had to do that. They haven't gone through, cause you know, like we see some stuff like goes private preview and you're like, there's so much that is still to be worked on, right? You know, and that's not a criticism. That's just like a the the world that we live in now, just rapid development over and over again, right? And it yep. doesn't. And and when we're talking about you know certain things, it doesn't matter if there's gaps there, does it? Right? You know, like in certain cloud, especially when you're talking about software, it doesn't matter if it's got gaps, really, because people just might not buy it until those gaps are filled, right? It's like a I'm mm-hmm. not going to opt into that yet, and as soon as it's it meets, you know, my, my commercial needs and my, you know, my values, like the value that I want to gain from it, then I might adopt it. But when we're talking about hardware, like you can't <laughs> like go private preview on your, you know, your, so, so I think that, I think it's just, um, I, I personally feel like they've, they've, they've built out all of these things because the investment that they've had to do in hardware and also in terms of operating system updates as well. Like, as you imagine, they completely manage the OS yeah. for you. And for customers to adopt that, there has to be a level of trust there. There is, I know we trust, I know we trust Microsoft in terms of like, say, Windows and like Azure and a lot of those things. But this is like, these are like relatively new technologies that we're talking about, right? Mm. Like, you know, Azure Sphere hasn't been out for that long, right? You know, it's not, it's not as, you know, uh, battle tested and hardened. Well, I'm, I'm not saying it's not hard, like, you know, and it's not hardened whatsoever. 
um, but it just hasn't been around for as long, right? So I, I feel like what they've done, and, and maybe we've got to Sphere late as well. Like maybe we are, they they did go through all those troubles and they maybe they had, like, I, I don't know because I wasn't part of like any of that sort of stuff. But I do completely agree with you. It's kind of just like appeared out of nowhere and it seems like really quite mature and thought about, do, do, do you know what I mean? Um, so it's it's definitely different. Yeah, I mean, you know, not working in the IoT you know, space, to me, it's kind of like, why wouldn't you? That's the question I've got is why yeah. wouldn't you do this? You know, pay. I, yeah, yeah. But, I, I think it's also a, like a last mover advantage as well in some respects. I'm not saying that Microsoft is slow, has been slow to adopt this, but I wonder if what they've also done is they've seen what's happened in the IoT space and the problems that their customers have had. And then they've actually gone, no, you know what? We'll actually build something from the ground up that can sort this problem. I mean, adopting this is absolutely massive for organizations, right? You have to buy specific hardware that you're then mm. vendor locked into, right? Like it's a big, you know, and especially when you come to actually buying the things, right? They're, they're quite expensive. So yeah, so there's, there's, that to, there's that to think about as well. Okay. So, so you kind of talked about it a little bit, but you know, how do you, you know, how do you build applications for these, for these devices? So um, they've got first party support for, I think, Visual Studio Code and Visual Studio. Um, I didn't use Visual Studio Code because I think I had some problems with it. Might have been me. I think it might have been me. So I used um, Visual Studio um, instead. There's like an add-in that you can get, which gives you sort of more management of the device that effectively allows you to directly like slide load app, build and side load apps inside of Visual Studio. Um, I basically started from one of their sort of template um, apps that they they provide. Um, and effectively what that does is it pretends that it's a, I think it pretends it's a temperature sensor, I think. And it effectively um, just emits fake temperature readings that it generates like over time. It does some few other things as well, um, but I'm not capturing that data um, at the moment. But effectively, what I needed is I needed a stream of data that I could then push into IoT Hub to then, you know, um, to then um, process and, and and make sure that things are working. Because I, I don't, I'm not really looking at it from the application side. I'm looking at it for management and security and like the hardening aspects, right? Because generally, with a technology like this, uh, we might be asked to come in and advise around like the security elements of it instead of the actual de- uh, the actual applications that are being deployed, right? You know, we might partner with an iot uh partner of ours that will will handle the like the on the ground you know roll out of it and bring that like iot level of expertise right so i didn't particularly care about the the data side of what it was actually pumping out but i did want to experience that connecting it to iot hub you know and and and, and seeing how what that like implementation plan looks like and it's pretty simple <laughs> from my perspective not a huge amount um, to do there, to be honest with Okay, so you kind of talked about it. We kind of sort of jumped to this, but um, is there anything else around you know how it's you know how it is deployed and the you know how you how the management's handled? Yeah, so like I like I mentioned, you'll you'll have a completely seg- separate segregated Azure Sphere tenant. It's kind of weird. I've tried to like work out what it is in the portal and things like that. It's it's not a it's, it is. It shows as a subscription in Azure, but it's not a real one. It's. <laughs> it doesn't. You try and do things with it, and it things get unha- unhappy pretty quickly. 
The way you also interface with it is effectively all by a command line like program. So you can effectively like um, onboard devices and then you can um, put devices into device groups and device groups can then have different like application catalogs pushed to them. They can also be subscribed to different operating system feeds. So there's two main feeds or uh, well, two, two feeds that I, I'm aware of, which is the retail feed from Microsoft. Effectively, this is like your, you know, your, your, your production builds, you know, um, it's been for evaluation. This is what you want to run in all of your production scenarios. And then there's a retail, um, it's called retail eval, like evaluation. And that is, I think that's like a release candidate. It's distributed two weeks before the retail. And that's effectively there to, so that you can test, you've got a two week window to test device rollouts. Um, so you might want to apply that to a specific set of like test device groups monitor those because you are going to get these updates automatically from Microsoft. So you best be ready for them to, uh, to come in, if that makes sense. Microsoft have got lots of documentation and, you know, and guidance around how stringent their, their backwards compatibility and testing is in terms of, you know, putting out, pushing out like updates and, and things like that. So they're very keen to stress that, you know, um, their 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 main focus is around security and and obviously also you know rolling out new versions and things like that with new functionality but they 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 have long um supported life life cycles and, and things like that okay now the question everyone loves to hear that we always talk about is how is it licensed you know what is the cost so a bit weird this one compared to the rest is that it's not actually like software licensed it is all licensed around the actual um the actual uh, mcu so the chips themselves so there's an mt3620an chip that's the one that is like that's what's used in effectively everything and um what is quite amazing is if you buy one of these chips, you will get OS and security service updates through to July 2031. They're guaranteeing. What? Yeah. Oh. So, so they're basically saying, you know, they're saying the pricing is less than eight pound in, in our, in our, you know, dodgy currency it's it's a a matter or less than eight pound 30 is the, the the cost i don't know if that's like you know you're ordering 10 you pay eight pound 30 then you order a thousand and it you know what the trade costs are and things like that i don't i don't know that so yeah and it's it's you know it, it's it, it's it's pretty it's pretty interesting and um also you get um through to um, July 2031, you get ongoing support for certificate-based authentication, failure reporting, and um, OEM software updates. So, the, the, you know, the management like service and everything like that, they're basically guaranteeing if you invest in these, you know, uh, these chips, that you'll effectively get all of that management completely baked in, you know, as part of it. I mean, yeah, sorry. 
Got that's good. Just gonna go. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Sphere is really a gateway to a lot of other Azure services, right? Because what they're effectively hoping is is that you're going to pump all of your data into an IoT hub, and hopefully that's a large volume of data, right? Like you know, that's <laughs> let's be let's be honest about it. This is a this is a a kind of a gateway product to a lot of you know other you know Azure services, but I think they have to offer that offer that level of support and you know and uh, assurance to people because if you're developing some IoT device, and let's say you do let's say you build 50,000 of these things, you need to understand that what your ongoing costs for those 50,000 devices. And also when you're traditionally sourcing for IoT devices, you're not paying any sort of like monthly cost for these chips, are you? Because there's no management. Yeah, and that's that's quite a good point actually around the around that, that sometimes, yeah, I guess you'd have to pay for services to, to patch them or to create that VPN connectivity, et cetera, or whatever that, you know, not working in that space and yeah. just going on the licensing. I think if I remember it's in effect in the cost of the device, isn't it? It's not, you have to buy, you have to put eight, eight pounds, 30 no, no, on yeah, top. That, no, it's part of that no, price. You don't actually pay it in no, theory. Eight pound 30 is for the chip. Yeah. Right. So, you know, like that is the, so it's not just the, that's not just your like, s- <laughs> You know, like from what I, from how I, uh, you know, how I understand it, you know, it's, that's not the software license or anything like that. That's the chip itself. So you get, so, but I I also don't know like what that does to somebody's bill of materials cost. I don't know what a, I don't know what a similarly equipped, you know, uh, you know, non-sphere device would cost for drape tray parts. I don't know if that is, you know, I don't know if people are paying two pound per chip and actually, the six pound uplift is a lot of margin for people to absorb. I I, I can't answer that. That, that yeah, part of it. I don't. I, I think when when I was going through this with with Microsoft when we were at a, a session, it was in effect that people are paying a little bit more for it, you know, because you know they're buying that that service in effect. But instead of it being well, you get for this service, you get for that service. You're basically saying a, a Sphere device has this service, and you're you're paying up front for it, and that's it. And you you've got patching and all the management yeah. for you know what you know eight is probably eight years now not is seven yeah nine and that's whatever probably, it is, yeah. and that's and that's probably for this version of the chip yes you know when they develop the next version i'm guessing the the cycle for that you know would have that so what they're effectively saying now is is that you buy this chip you buy this chip and then until 2031 you're going to be covered at minimum 2031 and we we know what happens to microsoft licensing when there's machines out there in the wild that continue to need like enhanced <laughs> support, like after their end of life. Right. So, yeah. So I think it's, I think it's an, it's, it's an interesting way to go, but obviously the types of people that are going to buy these are going to be like, you know, um, device manufacturers and system integrators and things like that. Right. You know, that's going to have fleets of, of different things. Um, so yeah, so any other questions or anything, Alan? That's all I was going to take people through. And I, again, if anybody out is out there that's in Azure Sphere, <laughs> ed, I call them an administrator and developer. I completely apologize if I butchered anything or missed anything like absolutely massive from it. Um, but that's that's my experience so far. Maybe we'll do another wrap up. Um, we'll do another episode on it um, once I've got a little bit more uh, experience on it or, or something like that. But anything else that you want to uh, understand, Alan? No, I think you've covered it quite well in the 
47, 48 minutes. Um, I think I'll do a quick reflection to see if I've captured some of it. I kind of did a little bit of that along the way, but let's see what we've got at the end here. So, you know, the Azure Sphere devices know that, you know, from end to end, you know, silicon to cloud, IoT deployment and security solution. So, you know, it is, you don't have to worry about that communication whatsoever. Um, you know, it's a custom silicon um, with firewall architecture to limit um, different applications or different processes running on that application, um, accessing different resources on that chip. Um, as we keep talking about, automatic patching and for, you know, for this current chip, you know, for eight, nine years at the moment, you know, and it's, you know, that's included in the, the price of the device, you know, all this communication, you know, VPNing, et cetera, all that communication is all done for you. And then, yeah, inbuilt application and device deployment service. So it's, you know, it's, it's built into, you know, Visual Studio so you can you know, build your apps and things like that for it. Is that about right? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, I, I think as, as we've, as we've explained, if you want a, a really well integrated like walled ecosystem for you, you know, your IOT devices, you know, Azure Sphere does have a lot of very interesting and different ways to approach IOT um, uh, for sure. Alan, uh, what's our next episode? What we're going to be talking about next? So we've keep, I think we've kept mentioning it um, in various episodes, but never actually done an episode in it, which I'm surprised about considering it's basically, uh, well, my life quite a lot of the time. But Microsoft Sentinel, you know, cloud cloud scene, you know, Microsoft's version of it, and saw technology. You know, we're going to talk about its capability. Okay, great. Yeah, like you say. I can't believe we haven't done that at all. And when we were we were like um, deciding through what we were going to talk about, it was like, why haven't we talked about that already? That seems mental that it wasn't um, one of the episodes so far. So yeah, Alan Alan's going to take us through um, uh, an overview of uh, Sentinel, which will be great. If you've enjoyed this episode, um, please do consider subscribing if you'd like to listen to more of this sort of content in the future. We have many topics that we'd like to cover and your listens and support is what will continue to fuel the podcast going forward. We also have the ability for you to give us some feedback. Did you enjoy this episode? Disagree with our thoughts or even, you know, did we miss something completely? Um, please use the form that's in the, the show notes to send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. Perfect. Um, thanks everybody for listening. If you've made it this far and Alan, I'll catch you on the next one. Cheers. Yep. Yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Take care. See ya.